right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Drovetta. I am Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got all sorts of audio to play for you today. We're going to let you hear from Bill Self. We're going to let you hear from Bill Self again because he talked after the West Virginia game. He talked today as well before the K-State game. We're going to also let you hear from some of the players, Ojag Baji and David McCormick as well, who spoke with the media after the West Virginia game. We've got our case of the Mondays. Plenty to talk about, though, with KU basketball right off the bat. KU wins in Morgantown, a place that has escaped them from victories in the past. This is just the fourth win for Bill Self in Morgantown since they joined the uh, Big 12, and this is just the third time that KU has won both at Stillwater and at Morgantown in the same season. Final score, 71-58. Um, I think first things first, you know, after having a, a, a few games where maybe you had some questions about how this team handled it down the stretch, even in the Oklahoma State win, you know, the last six minutes, they don't score um, at all in that game. And then you have the the Texas game, obviously. Like, there's some other games that we can point to. Oklahoma, um, they didn't close out very well. And honestly, the first half of the West Virginia game was more of the same. Because the first half, they let West Virginia back into it. It was a six-point game at halftime. It felt like KU should have been up more. And for, I think, a long time in that game, it felt like KU should have been up by a lot more than they actually were but they ended up closing very well in a tough place to win, and I think that's a great sign. Yeah, I agree completely. I kind of we we texted it at halftime that that half basically ended as badly as and, and I my thought after the um, the turnover I was because uh, West Virginia at that point had made it at, uh, an eight point game, and then there was the turnover, and my immediately thought my immediate thought was they're going to can a three to in this half. And they didn't. They canned a shot from the foul line. But it was six points instead of five. I was convinced after that turnover. I'm like, they're going to can some stupid. Which, by the way, apparently uh, uh, Bob Huggins has raided Oklahoma State's cupboard of hobbits that can make three-point shots. Because <laughs> they had they had Forte and Keaton Page, and now that the the hobbit shooter has gone over Sean to McNeil. West Virginia. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought they'd can three, but they made a shot. Either way, it's six. And then I'm kind of relaxing a little bit because we texted like that half point went as poorly as it could. And the what happened in like from minutes, I don't know, 16 to 12 or so is what I thought was going to happen to start. Mm-hmm. So what started the, the half was they got to within what? They, they, they made a shot, but then KU got them back to arm's length. And then it came where well, there was a second run. So there are kind of two big West Virginia runs, one in the last minute and a half of the first half, and the other 
uh, about three minutes or so into the second half where KU, you feel like, okay, they made that run after the at, at halftime or before halftime. KU's kind of got back into control. And then, bam, 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 all of a sudden it's a one-point. It was a two-point mm-hmm. game. Then I think Christian Brown hit a three um, to push it back. Or, no, somebody made a shot to push it to four. And then um, Taz Sherman canned a three to push it to one. So it got to as close as one, and I thought, this is going to be... I mean, I didn't necessarily think West Virginia was going to run away with it, but I certainly didn't envision KU... Like, if you would have said one of these two teams is going to win this thing by double digits, I would have picked KU over West Virginia even at that moment because I just thought West Virginia has shown nothing this game or this season to make me think they could continue to be that hot. Um all game as they were for for that five minute stretch, and it, it kind of again things kind of settled down. Yesifu had an amazing steal and p- bucket that we didn't even get to see on the TV broadcast. Um, and I, I I don't know you you finish, you know there we kind of talked about uh, Friday. What are they going to do if West Virginia starts out hot and they're making shots and, th- and that place is going nuts? How do you respond to that? Well, that happened. It just happened in the start of the second half, not the start of the first half. And it happened, and, and, and the place was going insane. KU's only up one, and they composed themselves and finished on a – I think it was, they closed it out like 27 to 15. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it was something like that. I mean, look out, world, because KU's defense is, is coming to play. Now, I don't know. The last two opponents you played are, are not very good on offense, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. But you held West Virginia in the two games you played them. Both games were under 30%. And that's the thing. You held them to 58 points in this game. So, again. And a good measure, like I agree, they're they're not a good offensive team. But a good measure is do you hold them, even if they're bad, do you make them even worse than they are on average? And they did. Yeah. And, and it's coming off two games, Texas and Oklahoma, where the defense wasn't that good for KU, but the two games before that it was against Iowa State and Baylor. And if this team can just be a solid D, de- I mean, they've worked themselves up. They're 28th now on Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. Like, that is a big deal. And uh, you you pair that with what is an elite offense, now we're cooking. Um, I, I think the, the worst defense entering into the tournament that has won the NCAA tournament was Baylor last year, and they're like 42nd or 44th. But prior to their COVID pause last year, that Baylor defense was, you know, they were like a top 10, top 20 defense, and then yeah. the COVID pause, and then they kind of fell off there, but they played like a top 10, top 5 defense in the NCAA tournament. Before Baylor last year, every other defense that had won the title, top 37 in adjusted defensive efficiency. KU is in that range now. When you pair it with having an elite offense, I mean, it is it is just so important for them what they do on the defensive rebounding. It closes out possessions. It gets them going in transition, and and the defense was was great again. So that's something I'm curious to see how it goes this week because, like I said, it was two games on where the defense was really good, then two games off with the Texas and Oklahoma, then two games on with Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Well, this week you have two teams that have the ability to make the defense kind of struggle at that end. Kansas State, we know what they have from the guard perspective. Baylor is just a team who just has a good offense. They're top 10 offense in the country. Um, If you can do it again this week, then I think we start talking about is this defense rounding into form headed into March? Yeah, I agree. And then I don't even know that they necessarily need to win. I'll say that it would be very disappointing if they didn't win tomorrow night. It's home against K-State, which, which, look, K-State, 
took a lot, everything to beat them in, in Manhattan, and I guess there's a letdown potential. But I'm just going to say right now, it would be very disappointing if they don't beat K-State tomorrow. But I would say against Baylor, because it's it's in Waco, you, you want to win. But I would say with that game, you can even – if you don't, if you don't win, you can even come out with a showing that would still kind of make us. Yeah, feel good. I don't even mean from the win law. I'm just talking about the defense. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I think the defense can perform well against Baylor, and it doesn't necessarily notch up to a win. Uh, but if you if you keep Baylor, which has been a really good offensive team, below kind of what they're used to, that to me is the biggest thing. Is what is a team doing against you versus their average? Mm-hmm. And if you're making them worse than their average then you're doing a good job. By the way, something I noticed in the game against West Virginia, maybe this this was the Oklahoma State game too. I don't know if this was just the first game I noticed it. I didn't see any uh, like wrist brace or tape or anything on Ocha Baji, and sure enough, he went out and had a great shooting performance, 23 points in that game. I, I wonder if he is getting fully healthy. We had the comment from Bill Self a week or two ago about you know he's dealing with some bumps and bruises, and certainly... The one that comes out is is the wrist because it was wrapped. It, we all saw it when it happened in the game at Oklahoma where he hits it against the shot clock. Didn't notice anything on there. And yeah. um, it's not that Ochai hadn't been playing well even despite it. That's not really the case. He did have a couple like lower scoring outputs, but I think that had more to do with probably the way defenses were guarding him with the face guarding and everything. But now if, if teams are still highlighting him and he's able to do that and that's the result of a healthy Ochai, like that – really is a big difference for this team. I mean, that's how you put up a big offensive performance against Texas Tech when you were at home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, he's he's showing out to be, um, you know, it, it, he's kind of getting to that level where it's almost boring mm-hmm. to say, like, what more good can you say about him? Right. He's been fantastic. Um, he's probably going to win. There's still five games left, but he's, he's the front runner for the Big 12 Player of the Year. So, you know, it's almost at this point boring. Like, what? But man, he can't. First of all, he's the only Jayhawk to make a three on Saturday, and he made three of them. He canned one from NBA range when West. I think Wait, is that true? I didn't even realize that it was three for six. Ku as a team was like three for eleven. That's wild. Yeah. Um, but he there was one where where West Virginia, and I think this was in the first half where West Virginia kind of started making noise, and then Ochai came down and just banged a three from like just pulled straight up didn't even like he he was down with the ball didn't even set up the offense he just they gave him space and he canned one from NBA range uh so he's looking really impressive I think another thing that's that's helped him a lot um is other players stepping up and saying hey if you want to focus all of your energy on Ochai fine we've got other dudes who can score too Mm -hmm. um and that's been I think that's been equally important, but I, I think Ochai, yeah, he, he's kind of rode, th- rode through the storm of being face guarded. He's rode through the storm of the injury, and, and and not just the injury against Oklahoma and Norman. It, we all kind of thought he re-aggravated that in, in Allen Fieldhouse against Oklahoma when he, he he fell and he caught himself on the floor, and it looked like his his wrist kind of or his hand kind of uh, twisted back a little bit, and he re-aggravated that aggravated that wrist. So he. Um, He's played through a lot, and at no point was there, um, you know, his ceiling still remains incredibly high, but at no point have we ever seen any sort of, you know, bad floor. I think his floor has been like 11 points. You know what's crazy? Now that you bring that up with the Ochai thing, too, with that he made all the team's threes, because I was thinking about this on Saturday um, as I was watching the game, you know, and, and I try not to focus too much on, oh, what about next year? Because, like, especially with KU basketball, it's like every year has been – 
in its own way such a fun season that, that you want to live in the moment. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that's what I'm doing here. But you start thinking about next year and you're like, you know, we lose this guy. This guy could be back. Like, I'm excited to see what jump he makes, all this stuff. And I started thinking, I'm like, is next year's team going to be have any good shooters on the team? And like, <laughs> They'll have to recruit them. And now that I think about it, as we just talked about this year's team, like Jalen Coleman lands, elite shooter, but he's not on the floor for more than like five to ten minutes in a game. So it's not like... He doesn't have an eligibility left, does he? No, no, no. He's gone. But I just I just mean this year's team. No, like, I know. With, with Jalen Coleman lands, even though he is an elite shooter, he's just not playing enough minutes for it yeah. to like change things. Ochai is like the entire team shooting. I mean, KU is is from three. KU is 80th in the country. They're shooting 35.5% from three, which, you know, that's solid. That'll get it done. In conference only play, they're third in the conference at 34%. So... Numbers that ideally you'd like to have it closer to maybe thirty seven or thirty eight, but you can live with. Like they're I think, solid enough. Right? I think a big part of that has been Christian Brown kind of coming back to the pack. Yeah, of course. But Ochai is shooting forty four percent. Jalen Coleman lands is at forty. So like I said, but he's not playing very many minutes. So you have one guy who plays a lot. Yeah. Like a guy who probably leading your team in minutes is shooting forty four percent from three, and as a team you're shooting thirty four. Everybody else on Good the team God, is like bad. 33 or below. Like Christian's 33. Jalen's 26. Remy's 36. What's but Christian he's not in playing. conference play, though? Because he's probably 29 or 30 in conference play. That's a good question. Um, let me pull this up. Let's see. Christian Brown in conference only games is 32%. Okay. 30. Well, better than I thought. Slightly right. below. Um, yeah, so I, I did the math. I subtracted Ochagbaji from the rest of the team. If you take out Ochagbaji, this team as a whole is shooting 31.5% from three, Ugh. which if you ranked that nationally, would rank 280th in the country. I don't know. So, it's, it's what, like 340 teams? <laughs> yeah, there's like, I think it's 358. Oh, I mean, that's hideous. So this team is not a good shooting team. They just have one guy <laughs> who is one of the shooter. best shooters, yeah. maybe the best shooter in the country. Yeah, that's incredible. Like how much he means to this. Team. I mean, if, if you want to start a national player of the year case, uh, you talk about like the points, seven to 20 game, yeah. the efficiency that right there, because without Ochag Baji, KU is a very bad three point shooting team. Yeah, but they are actually like a good team by just having one guy. Yeah. And you wonder, I mean, the, the, the butterfly effect of, is there like Jalen Coleman lands is probably playing more. So maybe they're not shooting 31 percent. What, what 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 did you have them at as, as without Ochai? Thirty one and a half percent. So but at, even if even. OK, so go say. Jalen Coleman-Lands is actually playing more yeah, because of that. And so you have at least one guy who's capable of shooting in the 40% range. There's still like maybe 32.5% maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not well, like... Well, I mean, if Zach Clemens played more too, like yeah, that I mean, helps. Yeah, because he's, he's shown an ability. But still, they're not shooting, they're, they're not shooting over 30. That's fun 30. too. I mean, that means next year Zach Clemens is the best shooter he's on the, the best team. best shooter on your center. basketball team and he's seven feet tall. <laughs> oh Very my swell. gosh. He's, he's, near it. What's he listed? What's he listed? Six ten, maybe six eleven. I don't know. So he's listed as six eleven, then he's five four. Because that's how they do these things in college. Yeah, Joe Yesfu is actually four foot seven. Yeah. If you're if you're listed as six ten in college, you're six seven, mm-hmm. six eight. Dude, that's incredible. Actually, seeing that number uh, next to it, that does scare I mean, you a little bit that you're so reliant on one guy. Yeah, I mean, you've had moments like I'll say this: I, they they do show 
Dewan has shown an ability to to make threes on the sets that are clearly designed to get him a wide open three. We've seen a few of those. Um, I think the first time I really noticed it was maybe against Missouri. But there have been a few games where they've run sets that that always result in Dewan Harris getting a wide open look from the corner. Um, so there, are, those are some options there. But you're clearly seeing what Ochai means to this offense just overall, and you saw it in um, at least from a three-point offense. But again, that goes back to just the, the – what other players, and we haven't even gotten to David McCormick in that game, which I think we've kind of learned. It's funny that you brought up Stillwater and Morgantown as the two places that they have trouble winning at both places in the same season. Um, it's kind of funny because David McCormick has had a lot to do with why they're 4-0 against those two teams right now because he's clearly a bad matchup for both of them because he has torn them up. He tore up Oklahoma State twice, and he's torn up West Virginia twice now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. Um, Dave has been so good over these last six games. We mentioned it on Friday that he had raised his floor. The low games weren't as low anymore. And I think with David McCormick, when you have that pairing with Ochai, it's, it's I don't know, like, it just seems like almost everybody's clicking. Like, um, Christian didn't have a great shooting game on Saturday, but like Jalen didn't have a shooting game either. But over the last two games, he's not shooting well and he's still averaging like a double double. Dave has been fantastic. You have Ochai going off. Like it really does feel like everybody's starting to fit into their role now and everybody is starting to click, which will make the whole Remy Martin thing interesting, which we'll talk about later because we have some uh, good stuff from Bill and Self on it. Real quick, I do want to add mm-hmm. we, we talked live about um, why haven't we seen. First off, we we talked about Clemens, and and again, self addressed that after the game, uh, after the West Virginia game. But basically, what he said about uh, Lightfoot versus Clemens is is he it was a, an experience thing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that Derek and I were texting about during that game were there's been no for a long time there was no two lead guard, and when th- and I don't think it's a coincidence that things started turning around, even though Dewan and Yesifu didn't score much at all. Um, I don't think it was a coincidence that that 27 to 15 close came with two two lead guards on the floor. That yeah. was when Yesifu and Dewan started playing together. And I get it. There's only so many minutes you can play with them together because the chunk of your minutes is going to go to Jalen Wilson and Ochai. It would be so Christian much Brown. better if one of those guys could consistently score. I know. Them. It really like, would. Because then you could have it almost all the time. Yeah. So I I think it is a very useful lineup, though, that, that while it won't be the predominant lineup, like that's a perfect example of it. You're gonna have certain matchups where it's gonna work well for you, and I think, you know, it, it, it's it's very much something that I'd like to see moving forward. And that was almost a perfect moment for it because it, KU had a lead. Now, granted, at one point it was only a one. It, at one point it was only one point, but it, it wasn't a huge lead. But with Yesufu and Dewan in there with a decent lead, when um, West Virginia started pressing more, that was almost perfect because offensively. You didn't need you had two good scores on the floor, so you didn't need them to score much. You just needed them not turn the ball over. So they're almost perfect for that situation, yeah. maintaining a lead when the other team is pressing you. Yeah, and that's the thing with having the two guards. That's the thing with having Joe Yesfu, I think, just in general on the floor. Like that game was a perfect indication that we've seen a lot this season of hey, KU's turning the ball over a lot and KU's not forcing turnovers. And all of a sudden Joe Yesfu comes on the floor. Uh, along with Dewan Harris, it's easier to take care of the ball when you have two of those guys. And also, you have Joe Harris or uh, Joe Yesfu 
causing turnovers. He has the strip, which you couldn't even see on TV. They didn't show. Uh, yeah, which I was the, the I didn't know layup. what had happened. No. And, and you know who else didn't notice it? Whoever was in charge of the score bug. Because it took him like a minute <laughs> yeah. to update that. I bet you he was just remote, and so he didn't realize it because of the, the TV. Uh, by the way, though, Dave, over the last six games since Kentucky, just to update this, 13.5 points per game, 9.5 rebounds per game, block and a half per game, 57% shooting. That'll get it done. Uh, so KU winning at West Virginia, obviously big. Texas Tech won at Texas, so I think it, it maybe becomes a little more likely that 14-4 and four gets a share of it, 15-3 and three wins it outright. But basically that would mean for KU, if you can hold serve at home the rest of the way, basically now comes down to can you just win one of the two on the road at Baylor or TCU. Yeah. Yeah, you go. You, you hold serve the rest of the way at home. You're guaranteed at least to share because mm-hmm. the best any other team can do is 14-4. and four. And then yeah, you're guaranteed to win if you get if you go finish out undefeated at home and then grab and I think TCU is the most likely of those. But look, man, Baylor, look, I think they may still be. And we, you know, I know we need to take a break, but the Baylor's probably favored. I think this Saturday, I could be wrong, but they're kind of dipping. Yeah, they're, they're in a bit of a swoon right now. Well, I mean, you lose your starting center. Is yeah, really that good. doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Um, it looks like Baylor's projected win by four on Ken Palm. I, we'll talk about this later in the week because we have all, all kinds of time to get there, but I do have this early sense of like, I mean, they might lose the game, but I do have this early sense of there's always that Bill Self knockout game in the years that he wins the league outright, and that would absolutely be that if they won it. Um, but anyway, we have K-State tomorrow. Let's not look ahead so. to that because yeah, right? we need the team to make sure they don't <laughs> overlook the game tomorrow. So KU takes and that they West clearly Virginia. take their cues from us. We'll talk more KU basketball throughout the show coming up next. Daily poll and a Rock Chalk Pickahawk recap. With Adam DeVette, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Half past the hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Quick recap on Rock Chalk Pickahawk. I it was not close. You. Yeah, 84-43. Yeah, it was a it was a drubbing. Uh, here's a breakdown of all the scores. Ochag Baji got you I, 20. To be fair, in my well, this isn't fair. This is just me knowing it was coming. I I said right. I was. Remember well, how regretful I was after yes. the draft on Friday anyway? It's because... That was so just uh, yeah. just obnoxiously stupid of me. So you took Zach Clements in the third round. <laughs> I do think, though, I'm trying to work this out. If you would have taken Dewan Harris with that pick instead of Zach Clements, and then I would have gone, I guess, even if I would have gone Clements and Lightfoot, and then you got Yesifu... I would have had 66, and you would have had 61. So I still, it would have still wouldn't have it wouldn't But it would have been, been a lot closer. Yeah. I, um, just, I wasted a freaking, my third pick on a dude who didn't play a minute. No. Which we did not expect to happen, to be clear. <laughs> I, I think we both could have been convinced that, hey, Mitch Lightfoot's going to still play along yeah. with Zach Clements and, and Self's still going to give him a shot. I did not expect that Zach Clements would not play a single minute. Clearly, self's angry with me. Uh, yeah, right. Do you think? Uh, 
I'm I'm actually paying off Bill Self to to try to win this thing. I understand he could use the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I of all people making the millions and millions of dollars to to run this radio show. I got cut off today by somebody in a black Porsche with mm-hmm. a uh, I don't want to say exactly what it is. I just realized I was almost about to out somebody's license plate. But let's just say they had a it was a black Porsche with a custom plate involving okay. KU. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't was that was that you? Was, was it that rock you? Shock? No. Was that you? By the was that no you? Comment. you? Apparently, if you got money to pay off Bill Self to fix Pickahawk, you got money for a Porsche. Yeah, no comment. Um, Oshai, weirdly enough, despite having twenty three points and being like clearly one of the best players, he only ended up with twenty points in Rock Chalk Pickahawk. He yeah, he didn't have a ton of like other he, stats. That was the thing. I think he only had three rebounds. Yeah. Didn't he? Well, I think, too, what we're quickly learning with Ochai, because, like, physically and athletically, he is he is such a good on-ball defender. He sometimes gets lost a little bit off the ball. Like, I think he's kind of opposite of Christian Brown. There were a couple big threes, especially during that run when West Virginia did tighten it to one, that West Virginia hit because Ochai kind of fell asleep off the ball. Mm-hmm. Christian, meanwhile, is not a great on-ball defender because athletically he's just not what Ochai is, right? But on off the ball... Like, he, he knows where he needs to be. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. You almost wish that you could make it together. But the end result for, like, a guy like Ochai, you would think if you had this 6'5 athletic guard, he'd be averaging two steals a game. Yeah, poking, he, yeah. He just doesn't get that many steals. He just, but... but um, he, and, and, and look, in, in nights where he's not scoring, you know, he's still... You can still count on him to grab six or seven rebounds. Mm-hmm. It's just that that night happened to be so many of the rebounds were going to the bigs because of the nature of the shots. Yeah, so yeah, that's just kind of interesting. Uh, Jalen and, and Dave combined for sixty of my points. So that helps. That's really good. Christian ended up with eleven rebounds. He had nine at halftime, um, but he he just didn't score it. He was super. a he, he, he wasn't did, like did he shoot a free throw? He went one of two. He made that other one. He had a he would have had a double double. The big one that killed him is he had five turnovers, which was a career high. Yeah, and then uh, Mitch Lightfoot got you six. Dewan got me twelve. There was a lot of. Uh, I think at the end of the first half, Dewan Harris had the turnover that was just kind of him trying to take the ball up the court and, and the other guard, I forget who was defending him for West Virginia, just you know was able to force enough ball pressure to, to go out of bounds. There was a lot of vitriol uh, online with, with that. And it's just with kind of silly one? because that was uh, with the turnover for Dewan because that was his only turnover of the half. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, and, I'm trying to even picture it. I didn't think he played great. But what like, was the situation? Because I'm trying fine. to picture what you're talking about. He was just trying to bring it up the court at the end of the half. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that contributed to the little run yes. that, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't see anything. I didn't, yeah, I guess. Shows, I, I remember that moment now that you mentioned it, but I, I don't remember coming away from th- that game or even that no. half thinking what the hell Dewan? no i just you know it's a fine game for Dewan. he had four assists two turn- turnovers yeah didn't he? Uh, joe yesifu was kind of the bench mvp i think of that game it's funny because joe i think has securely gotten himself at least to a point where you expect him to play every game i mean he only played four minutes against oklahoma but every other game since the kentucky game which is both a a notable mark for you know that you got blown out and things have, have changed a little bit since then. You've gone five and one since then. Dave's but also, turnaround. yeah, but also that's when Remy Martin last played. Yep, 
And since then, here are the minutes played for Joe Yesifu, 23-18-15, the four against Oklahoma, then 22-13. So you feel like he's going to give you at least 13, 15 minutes a night. He was really good off the bench. And, and it's funny because the shots, at least from the outside, still are not really falling at a consistent rate. I feel like there's a game coming where Joe Yesifu is going to go like three of four from three, and it's going to, I don't know, maybe it's coming this week or something like that. I do feel like... Is, are you switching that to from? Are you switching that expectation mm-hmm. from Remy to Yesifu? Because you said that about Remy for a while before he got injured. I think we all kind of thought that with Remy. Yeah, um, I agree, especially after, I mean, just when you start the season like he did in that second half against Michigan State, you know? Yeah. I, I think that with Yesvu, he showed enough last year against Drake that he can have that outburst game. So all it's going to take is a, a game where, because of the defense or because DeWan getting in foul trouble, or who knows, maybe it's tomorrow night because K-State has those two little guards. Maybe we see more of the two-guard lineup where he gets an extended run and he just catches fire and he goes three for four from the outside. And that, and that maybe is the difference. Uh, but really impressive effort from Joe Yesvu. Okay, our daily poll. Would you rather... Because we saw the original, and we're going to talk more about this in the 5 o'clock hour, the NCAA Tournament Committee released their, um, I guess, mock selection, basically what it would be today. And KU was the final one seed. They were the one seed in the East. Now, I don't, I don't know, because Auburn lost after that came out. I don't know how that adjusts, things, uh, adjusts to things. But um, KU was the final one seed, and they, they got put in the East, which was very interesting. And, and beyond the, the bracket around them, which was pretty difficult, just being in the East was kind of an interesting, I guess, discussion around it. So I'm curious if you'd rather be the one seed in the East, just generally. That's Philadelphia, by yes, the way. Or be the two seed in the Midwest in Chicago. Um, I would lean... Without knowing the bracket. Yeah, without knowing yeah. the bracket. Exclusively basing this on location, um, I'd say Chicago. I mean, look, Kansas fans have proven that they, they travel really well during tournament time. But... Um, I just, I mean, it's it's not a secret that Dallas and Chicago are two enormous KU alumni bases, um, and given that you know Dallas is not an option, uh, yeah, give me Chicago, absolutely. Oh, that's so tough for me. I, uh... I think the the only real dis the not the only because it is a clear disadvantage. A clear disadvantage is that you're going is is that if things hold to make a Final Four, you have to beat the three and the one. Yeah, and this year where there's so much contention for the one seeds, there's going to be maybe some three seeds who, like for a moment in time, were good enough to almost be one seeds. You know, what if I switched it? And this isn't this is. I think I take the one seed for what it's worth. This isn't for the purpose of the poll, but just because. What if I gave you St. Louis instead of Chicago? If that was like one of the yeah. options this year, like Philly or St. Louis. See, I don't know how much of a difference there would... Obviously, St. Louis is closer to Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a, what, four-hour drive where Chicago's 8 to 10? Um, but Chicago is such a big KU alumni base. Yeah, I know. So I don't know how much of I a just, difference yeah, it is I'm for just, me. I pull, the reason I, I bring up St. Louis specifically is because um, a couple, there were a couple notable years, 93 and 12, when KU was a 2, and they beat the 1 in St. Louis That's to advance to the Final Four. But there were other... Look, the Wiggins team lost to Stanford and St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, Kansas lost to Georgia Tech and well, see, St. Okay. Louis. So Here's part of the reason not, I take... Not, yeah. Part of the reason I take the one seed is that, you know, if you told me that Kansas is going to win out from here and somehow they're going to get snubbed for the two in the Midwest, 
sure, I'll take that. But the reason I'd want the one over two is that means that they probably lost some game they weren't supposed to or something along the way. Mm-hmm. And that means that's how they get there. But uh, anyway, you can vote at RCST1320. Okay, coming up next, we'll let you hear what Bill Self had to say ahead of the game against Kansas State tomorrow. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. It's about a quarter till four. You're listening to RCST on KLWN or listening in the future on the RCST podcast. Uh, Typically, we don't podcast, you know, our coach pressers and audio because there's plenty of places you can find them. And uh, we try to limit what's all in our, our podcast. But if you are listening to this later, this will be in the podcast. And the reason why there's there's some. Interesting stuff that was discussed by Bill Self at his media veil earlier today ahead of the Kansas State game. So let's just get right into it. When you played them the first time, what would you say was the difference with Pack first half and the second? Well, he was unbelievable both halves, but he just didn't get as many looks the second half. We we did a bad job of being there on the catch in the first half, but give him credit. I mean, he was the best guard in the country that day. And uh and we, we did a better job the second half just because we stayed connected to him, but he still got like 10 the second half, something like that. So I don't consider that locking anybody up. But he he was, he was great, and Noel was great uh, for the entire game. And so, uh, yeah, we were fortunate to get out of there with the W. Is that the emphasis this time, just be there on the catch, like, kind of like a Gibson? We've talked some about it, but at the time of this, we haven't had a full-blown practice, so so we, we went over scout report yesterday, but that's basically all we did and shot, uh, uh, reserve shot, and then reserves did dry offense, uh, but the starters got off their feet. So, uh, uh, yes, that will be an emphasis to uh, take away as many looks off the off the uh, catch, but when you do that, now you create, give little quick guards a chance to get their shoulders past you and they touch the paint, and that opens everybody else up. So we we, we just got to guard a lot better. Speaking of that, one of their little guards, Noel, a lot of times in that game, kind of made one of those drives towards a basket and kind of passed it back. How do you stop a guy like that whenever you're so good at, you know, getting downhill? Or well, we just got to – our ball screen defense has to be better. You know, we didn't – our ball screen defense was awful over there. Uh, and hopefully it'll be better. It was better against West Virginia. I don't know if you noticed, but Curry got anywhere he wanted in the first game, and – Second game, he didn't he didn't as much, although he didn't play near as many minutes. But we were much better then. Hopefully, we'll be much better tomorrow at that too. Well, we pulled up take from November of us, and, and now in, in today's uh, games, where, where have we really made the biggest improvements? What what areas uh, do you feel like we really need to get much better in? Well, <clears throat> sad to say, I think we're actually better defensively than we were. Uh, we've been pretty good defensively. I know I complain a lot in league play. I mean, if you look at league stats, which is all you should look at right now, because we've all had played enough games to have a true sample size going against you know comparable competition. Uh, uh, it's gotten better. Um, uh, I think that uh, one of the biggest things is the team that we thought we would have going into the season wasn't what we had to start the season because of Jalen Wilson and the team that we – thought we would have going into the season in the same now in February because of Remy. Uh, uh, so so I still don't think we're whole yet, but I, I do think that we've adjusted pretty well 
uh, playing without Remy, uh, to be honest. Uh, I, I think that even though we need him, there's no question about that, but I think the guys have, have adjusted okay to playing with one little guard. And what that's done is it's allowed more guys to be handlers, bringing it up and stuff like that, which may have made us a better, more complete offensive team by doing that early or by doing that since Remy's been out uh, and only playing with one guard because that forces CB and Jalen and, and Oach to handle it more, which has probably been good for us over time that they have handled it more. So, um, but we, we, it'd be nice to have all our pieces back. And in rebounding, uh, it seems like more lately you're really dominating the rebounds. Um, let's talk about that and, and moving forward. And how would this team rebound wise compare with your previous team? I think, I think, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think that we would be considered one of the best rebounding teams we had. Uh, but I don't know that there's been a lot of teams that's out rebounded their opponents, you know, 19 out of the 25 games or whatever it is. I think that's about it. Isn't it? Uh, uh, and, the, and the three games we did, and we obviously lost. So uh, we've, we've looked pretty good rebounding the ball, uh, except when we've lost. You know, Kentucky, that wouldn't have mattered. Uh, at Texas Tech probably would have mattered some if we would have been better on the glass. And Texas, it definitely would have mattered in a one-possession game if we hadn't been dominated on the glass in, 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 at that, in that game. So I believe we out-rebounded Dayton. I could be wrong. But, but uh, uh, I think that we've done – maybe we didn't, but I, I think we've done a better job of doing that. Um, I heard, I heard a, a TV announcer say this the other day, nobody blocks off anymore. And I 100% agree uh, uh, people push. Uh, rather than block, uh, we got to. If, 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 but I thought against West Virginia, I thought we did a better job of rotation rebounding. When somebody get beat or we go help, I thought we did a good job of sliding and having inside position. So I do think we're getting better at, at rotation rebounding, and and I do think some guys are getting better blocking out. Uh, uh, and we're not a not a above the rim rebounding team, so we have to be good at that. What's been a big key for your ball screen defense improvement? I would say uh, four out of five times it would probably be because our bigs have been better getting to level the screen. You know, it's if, if you hit somebody and you can come off and there's five feet that you could do something before you feel a, any help, you can get downhill, you can cross up. I thought I think we've been doing a better job of getting to level the screen. When we've been decent at it, that's what that's what the biggest reason why I think we have. Uh, and if we did a better job of getting through the screens, that would also play a big factor. But I think I think uh, our bigs have done better as far as getting to the level of the screen than we were earlier. Do you think she has did a better job screening open Ochai against West Virginia? Uh, probably, probably. Uh, you know, he still only got off six looks, but but uh, I, I'd say we probably did. We probably did because, but it wouldn't take much to be better. Uh, but I still think we can get better than what we did. But I, I think it was certainly better than what it was. Another player of the week for him. What do you kind of make of that? He's had four now this year. Yeah, I, th I think that you know he just got to finish strong and hopefully put a put a uh, a seal on you know the the Big Twelve Player of the Year. He probably I know, no question he's a front runner now, but he's still plenty of ball left. But uh, yeah, he's 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 had a he's had a very consistent year. Really at a high level of consistency. He, he liked to, you know, 
focus on what's ahead and team and all that stuff. Have you encouraged them to take a minute and soak no. this in? And no, enjoy it? no, I haven't at all. I've told him you're playing great, but now they're going to guard you different and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, he can reflect when it's all over. He's He knows he's had a, a good year so far, but in order to make good year special, you got to finish strong. And so that's what he's focused on doing. Can he do it? No, no. He practiced uh, he practiced uh, uh, limited uh, uh, last, last Thursday and Friday. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't have any update. So limited means he was out there in full contact, but only very few reps. So I don't know. I don't know where that'll be today or, or whatever. It, it's almost to the point. I don't ask uh, uh, because I know he'll get out there when he feels comfortable. But, but uh, um, you know, I just, it's, if, if we're preparing, like we definitely do not have. And, and then if something happens and we, we do, then that'd be a nice, pleasant bonus. But, but I'm preparing like we do not. All right, that was Bill Self. And yeah, they're preparing like they will not have him for Kansas State. That tells me that obviously he probably won't play in the Kansas State game. I feel like at that point, yes, there would be a, a good little distance of time because that that is an interesting development of, you know, last we heard from Bill Self was on Thursday before they had those Thursday-Friday practices when he did, um, at least even though he said it was limited, he did go into full contact because before that, the uh, I guess the uh, glimpse into practice with what Remy Martin was doing was that he was just doing one-on-zero, non-contact stuff, just shooting by himself, working with the trainers, stuff like that. So that was a progression Thursday and Friday. That is a positive arrow. Um, do you think we see Remy Martin for Saturday against Baylor? No, no, I, I would still, I'm still leaning no on that. I, I would say, would you say what, the following week? Ne- next is next week the um the end of the race. Next week's the yes, end of the next race. week's the so three, game three week. games. But you could use some extra fresh legs if he's good I'll to go. Gi- I'll give him. I'll say yes. We see him before the end of the regular season, but no on this week. Let I got. I'll let you answer the same question. And I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. If you want, what, no, what did go you for think? It. Go for it. Oh, on on him playing. Yeah, Baylor. I would say no. That would be really tough to introduce him in at that point. Your biggest game of the season, um, against a physical team. I the way that that's progressing does give me more hope that he would be back for that three game week. Like I said, you could use some fresh legs. So maybe it would be the middle game against TCU, which is back at home. Maybe that would make some sense. Obviously, it does all depend on him. That's the other part of the the uh, quote you heard there, it's, it really is just up to Remy Martin. Like, this isn't a thing of, you know, if, if he keeps playing, it's going to make it worse. It's, it's just a pain tolerance thing, and and how can he go? And obviously, if the pain is too much to make him effective, you don't want him on the floor either. Um, but yeah, if I gun to my head right now, I'll say that he returns sometime next week, but also that is not like a... I would say that's like me 51% of the way there. The other 49% of me is like, oh, we're, we're not going to see him again this year. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think, because we've, we've talked about this quite a bit regarding Remy, Bill has never and ever, ever been shy about saying when he, think of, when he thinks a player is um, struggling or, I mean, is, is not doing enough or is, or is not being tough enough. Um, and he said, he said he's at this point, he's not even, he's kind of beyond the point where he's even asking because he knows Remy will be there with, will let him know when he's ready. Mm-hmm. And so at no point has self ever 
suggested that, that Remy is being soft here. He has not said anything to that degree at all. And so it, I, do you think that, I, I guess it's so, it's such an interesting thing to me because I wonder if it's Sell finding a, a, just a different form of communication to his players through the media or if it's just in fact that this indeed is such a painful, awful thing for him. I, I don't know the answer to that because, like you said, it, it could just be a, a standpoint of, you know, you, it, it's a balancing act. You don't want to lose the kid by saying something in the media, even if maybe you do think that maybe he should be playing through this or maybe some of my tougher guys would. Especially when there's already doofuses out there saying they have inside information there was a rift or whatever. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's the case, but would it be like that shocking if someone told you that was the case? No, because I guess... It's a different injury, but you look at Bobby Pettiford. Bobby Pettiford right now is dealing with, I think it's like a hip injury or something like that, and Bill Self said in his um, audio that, and I think this is in the, uh, I forget if there's in that part or, or this next part, but um, he basically said that you know he could play Bobby Pettiford, but it'd be in an emergency situation yeah. because he's dealing with a pain injury that it can't get worse by playing it more. But you don't want to have to play him unless you absolutely have to. Yet, Bobby Pettiford is available in an emergency, but Remy Martin is not. That seems kind of interesting. So I, I don't know what the dichotomy is there. But yeah, like I said, it, it sounds like at the very least he is trending toward a positive arrow. Will that arrow be trended positively enough to make him back in time by maybe the end of the regular season? I guess we'll find out. One hour down, two to go. With Adam Rivet, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, this is Case of the Mondays on your Monday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson. Uh, this is one that is technically occurring today, but I do want to bring it up here on Case of the Mondays. The MLB owners and MLB Players Association are meeting right now, and, you know, there's not anything new to report as of right now. We haven't seen, like, any new offers that were made or whatnot. What's significant, though, is that it does not appear that the the, the talks have broken yet, and these started three, four hours ago after we just had the, the one last week that I think was on Case of the minutes. Mondays. Yeah, 15 Reportedly minutes. Reportedly 15 minutes. Now they're meeting for three, four hours. That has to be a good sign. I kind of have, a, with these sorts of negotiations, whether it's potentially hiring another coach or negotiations like this, in general, I have a rule where if it, if it lasts long enough that you have to have a meal while you're doing it, that's a good sign. <laughs> like jury duty? Yeah. <laughs> like if, if, it, if you have to have a meal while you're negotiating, you know, there's something communal. You're breaking mm -hmm. bread with those people. There's something good about that. Um, so that is what I, uh, I take it. Yes, it's absolutely a good sign. Yes. Just the fact that they are actually... Like this is what I said last week. This is what I was so angry about. Just actually have... 
negotiations. Just actually hear each other out. I'll make say concessions. this: I don't think this is a good sign for the players because Why I think that? it. I, well, I think the 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 longer this drags out, the more likely it is that the players are standing firm, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's it's the that that end of the the major league baseball which whenever major league baseball whenever the announcement says major league baseball says it means the owners so the owners have already put down that if they don't get an agreement done in, at least in principle by the end of this month then they're not going to start the regular season on time and i think that i think that has kind of gotten a lot at least a lot of the players that aren't um you know eight figure players into the you know to kind of lean because all they need is enough of the non eight figure players, which is a, a a majority of the of the league of, of the players association to break away and vote in favor of, of whatever CBA they put out there. So I think that the longer this drags out, the more it's a sign of the players standing firm. And I think if it if it's if they're if it's kind of coming to if it's breaking down right now. Um, I think this is a sign that whatever the resolution is is going to favor the owners way more than the players. I will say, In terms though, of what they want. Do you think that that would have been the case regardless, though? Because I feel like it always does. Yeah, it's always going to... It's always going to... Yes. It, but I think if you look at, like, the non-starters, I don't know if the players... I, I think this could be a sign the players don't get any real non-starters that they had out there. Yeah, I can see that. But... If this means we're getting closer to agreement, it means we're getting closer to actually resumed baseball schedule, awesome. Great. Which especially, I mean, like, there's, there's reasons to talk about the Royals this year. I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I think you're looking at this is make or break when it comes to that pitching rotation. This is a really big make or break year for that 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 core pitching rotation that they've been boasting about in the minors for a long time. NBA All-Star Weekend was over the weekend, so were the Olympics. How much of those did you consume? Uh, I actually, as much as I love NBA Saturday Night, I really didn't watch much of it at all because that was basically a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it was over by the time the Kansas game ended, and I watched the whole Kansas game. Uh, I watched a ton of the Olympics. I came home. I was exhausted Friday. I don't really know why. I didn't sleep much Thursday night. And so I I got some food after I uh, after I broadcasted the girls' basketball game. I ran into an old friend at that game, left at about halftime, grabbed some food, went home, fed the dog, and then at about 10 o'clock or 10.15, I sat down in the chair, and, and I was next thing I knew, it was 11.40. So I really didn't watch much TV at all Friday night, but I watched Saturday night. Um, I watched the Finns upset the Russians to mm. get the gold in men's hockey. Yeah, how about that? Canada not winning. Yep. Canada didn't even win. They or didn't even getting the gold medal round. They took yeah, that third. Was, that was disappointing that the U.S. didn't even make it past they the They choked. Uh, they choked against Slovakia, Slovakia is what right? happened. Yeah. yeah, they choked. What happened? I didn't see They the were game. up 2-1 and, and, and let the let go of the lead in the uh, third mm. period. And, and look, Slovakia scored, so, you know, give credit to them. But And then they lost in, in um, PK, or it's called a shootout in hockey. But I, I don't remember what day of the week this was, but maybe the only Olympic event that I actually consumed more than just a few minutes of it was the gold medal match for the women's hockey, U.S. versus Canada. Canada, that US was almost had a crazy comeback. At the I end. know. It, it, I think Canada was so clear. Most of that game, though, I think the right team won. Yeah. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but 
I think you watched most of that game. It, no, it, it, okay, it, fine. Go move to Canada. Yeah. Go move to Canada. It looked no. like Canada. It looked like Canada had four more skaters on the ice than the U.S. <laughs> for most of that game. They were so fast, and that meant so much because the U.S. won an amazing gold medal game in 2018 against Canada. Was that the shootout one? Did that like one, I, that might have gone to shoot. It was. I think it went. I know at least went to overtime. That might have gone to a shootout. But anyway, the U.S. won an incredible gold med, gold medal game against Canada in 2018, and that's been on Canada's mind ever since. Yeah. See, so I. I I consumed very little, if any, of all of that stuff over the weekend. I'll be honest, I didn't even I, watch I the All-Star Game. I don't watch the NBA All-Star Game. So. Yeah, I did not. Apparently, Steph Curry hit 16 threes, but, you know, it's the All-Star Game. LeBron hit the final shot. Um, I did not see that was how- the big, The only real big, big thing was Elam ending. Everybody got all excited about the Elam ending, which I am. I like the concept of it. I think, I guess I don't spend much time discussing or thinking about whether or not I want mainstream basketball to adopt it because it's never going to happen. That radical of a change after a sport has been exist- in existence for this long, I just don't think ever happens. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I like I, the Elam ending. I see, like the concept. I love the Elam ending, and I love... So the basketball tournament is where it originated, and I love that it's in something like that. I wouldn't want to see it over the course of like the NBA or the NCAA, where I would like to... I, I like seeing it in... like. I don't know. This might be not not the right word because I don't want to be like demeaning, but like novelty events. Um, yeah, niche, like, niche events. like this, right? Like yeah. the All Star Game, or if they ever get around to doing that, I, I know they've toyed with the idea of the uh, in season tournament in the NBA. Oh yeah, like, yeah that yeah. would be great for that, right? Where cool. it doesn't like actually affect the standings. It's just kind of a cool thing, and it does speed up games. It is great to watch, and it makes it entertaining. Cuts down on the foul, and the exactly. ridiculous foul. So situations like that, yeah, all for it. Um. There are moments in in the NCAA tournament when a team's down by like twelve with you know forty seconds left and they're still insisting on fouling. At that moment, I'm like, that sounds nice. Heck, right there now. are moments in high school basketball yeah. when I would like it because in high school basketball, with, or you know, the solution to this is honestly just get a shot clock. But without a shot clock, it's like you could just have a team hold the ball for the final four minutes if they really wanted to. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing it there. Um, as far as the dunk contest, I saw a lot of people were complaining about. I, I thought this going into the weekend, it's just like. We've seen so many of these dunks happen. Like, what else new are they going to do outside of the showmanship stuff? Um, but I guess they missed a lot of You're dunks. You're going to need somebody to base jump from the rafters <laughs> with a parachute and then dunk as they... There's down the whole rim. The, yeah. That'd be great. Was there anything notable, though, over the weekend from the Olympics? Um, do you watch the closing ceremonies, too? I Not really. Okay. I flipped back and forth. Um, trying to think of anything. I mean... My, the biggest thing I saw this weekend was Finland um, topping Russia, in the, and that was a big upset in the gold medal game in mm-hmm. men's ho- ice hockey. Well, you know what did happen yesterday that um, was certainly making the rounds? Michigan lost to Wisconsin, which that itself isn't like a newsworthy story. Wisconsin's the better team. They're ranked all that stuff. In the, If you haven't seen this, I, I don't know. You've been living under a rock in terms of sports world over the last 24 hours. Um Juwan Howard and Greg Gard, who's the head coach of Wisconsin, Juwan Howard, obviously the head coach of Michigan, they're going up to each other in the handshake line. And and Greg Gard called the timeout toward the end of that game because, as he explained it in the postgame, um, they had already elapsed six seconds of the ball in their backcourt. And, and he, had, he had his reserves in because yes. they were up by a lot. They were yes. up 14 or 15. I think. Yes, but he was afraid they were going to get a 10-second call 
And so he called a timeout in college. When you call timeout, the clock resets, so they'd have another 10 seconds. Again, it was at a point when even if they had a turnover, they'd probably still win the game, but he just wanted to make sure. Juwan said, you should just let us have the turnover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I I don't know. I'll say this. Well, so anyway, finish the story before we get into the our, our line. Juwan Howard is not happy, and I think they said what he said to Greg Gard was... I'm going to remember rem- that. Yeah, I'm going to remember that. And so Greg Gard starts to try to explain to him about the 10-second rule, and, and his interpretation was that Juwan didn't understand that was a rule in college. I don't think that's the rule in the NBA. NBA, it's an eight-second call, but I don't think it resets in the NBA. Um, so... He was trying to explain. Juwan Howard wanted nothing of it. He starts, you know, uh, confronting him. There, I'm, I'm sure it starts turning into a talk, to a yell, and everything. All of a sudden, um, there's some, um, you know, shoving and holding of of whatever quarter zips or whatever that they're wearing. And then all of a sudden, players get around. Other coaches trying to break it up. Juwan Howard throws a. I don't want to call it a punch because it wasn't a punch. He started with a fist. Yeah. He made contact with an open hand. Yes. So it's like a punch slap, I guess. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, just chaos ensued from there. And, and this is obviously the second incident. The first incident, Jawan Howard didn't land a, a punch slap a on Mark Turgeon. But there was a very similar incident where there was late game, you know, coaches yelling at each other and and kind of a, a on-scene um, kerfuffle, I guess you could say, between the two of them. And, okay, yeah, this, this whole thing was crazy. The, the first thing, Jawan Howard... Honestly, I'll say this. I, I came away, I still think more of the onus, way more of the onus here needs to be on Jawan Howard. But I, I, the more I looked at it, the more I think I, I probably would be giving some discipline to, to Chris Gard as well um, because he probably, he didn't touch Jawan Howard in a menacing way, but he did touch him. Yes. And I think Gard could have done well to just be, as soon as he heard, I'm going to remember that. He could have just said whatever, good game, and then maybe called Juwan or d- explained it in a press conference. So I think he made a mistake there. Um, but I think Juwan was ex- extraordinarily childish in throwing the punch, and his and then in his presser he said that the guy put his hands on him, and th- these are Juwan Juwan Howard's words. He at that point said he felt the need to defend himself. And that explanation took it from childish to flat being a horse's ass, <laughs> and that that was that was insane to me. There was no apology. I just felt I had I had to defend myself. You were not threatened in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think the Wisconsin assistant coach, even though he wound up getting a hand to the face, still also deserves some discipline um, because he things had seemed to have calmed down a little bit when he brought himself into that fray. So I do think he the the he deserves something as well, um, but I don't know. I I the most annoying thing to me out of all of this is always whenever things like this happen, people want to come out with this take that well, what's the point of even having a handshake mm-hmm. line? To me, I, I guess my immediate thought is there's no real point in having a basketball game. It's just because <laughs> it's fun. Um, I, I just I think you can be. I just I, look no. If they stop having handshake lines, that's not going to yeah. society won't crumble. However, I do think it's fair to expect people to be grown ups yes. and say and shake hands and say good job when it's over. Yeah. I think that's a fair expectation. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That it, it was crazy. Like I, I had to just stop going on social media at, at some point yesterday because it was just filled with. You know, takes one way or another. Like either Juwan Howard is the worst person in the world, or 
you know, this is actually reasons why Juwan Howard was in the right. It's like, I'll okay. say this. If Juwan Howard's a happy medium, if here. they weren't a one seed that made the Elite Eight last year, Michigan's thumbing through their notes, seeing yes. if they can get him out without a without without or fire him with cause now. Well, I think that's but he, he's coming back because they were really good last year. I do think they'll play in it, but I like okay, he's not getting fired right now. I'm sure he'll get a suspension. We'll see how long, like a game or two or something. If they make the tournament this year, I think to your point he's fine because you have the Elite Eight last year and you'd make the tournament this year. Right now they're projected to be like one of the last teams in or I guess depending where you look, maybe one of the first teams out. If they don't make the tournament this year, would and you go as far to say he could get fired? Yeah, I would. I think, yes, absolutely, especially if one of the reasons they don't make it is because they lose. If he's suspended for two games and they lose both of them, you can say, not only did you do this, but it led to it made your team worse because you weren't on the sidelines for two games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good, interesting point to bring up. It's kind of the uh, Aaron Rodgers thing, except, you know, a little different. Um, okay, Tyreek Hill over the weekend tweeted out, that he wants to race everyone. So I guess we apply. He'd beat me. I, I agree. He would beat me too. I've I've wondered this, and I how it, far would you have to start in I, a? I, I, I don't know how long this. I thought is. the same thing. I, I I've wondered the same thing about Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. If he ran a hundred meters and I ran fifty, could I beat him? My answer is yes, and here's yeah. why. I, this here's why I believe that because you would have to his. His fastest is like nine six, right, or nine five something. Something like that. That means you would have to run a hundred meters in eighteen seconds in order for him to beat you at fifty. Um, and I think I can run a hundred meters in at least eighteen. In fact, I know I can run a hundred meters in, in at least eighteen seconds. So if I if it's a hundred meter dash and Tyreek is going um, and I get to start fifty meters ahead of him, I feel confident. Yeah. Okay, what if there's a 40-yard dash and you started 10 yards ahead? No. He's he, probably getting he, no, you, No, right? he'd crush me, yeah. He'd, be, he'd, get, he'd get What about 20 yards ahead in a 40-yard dash? Um, so I don't even know, man, because then that would be my 40-yard my, my dash would have to be something in like the eight and a half seconds. Not necessarily, category. because the, the get-off is usually the slowest That's part. That's a good point, yeah. So if your 40 time was theoretically like seven seconds... That probably would equate to a four-second first twenty yards. Yeah, that's right? true. So I think it might. I, I don't know. How about this? How about this? How about this? If you both run forties, mm -hmm. but you, so you both run forties, but he doesn't start till you've hit the twenty-yard mark. Oh. Therefore, his you're already at close. Yeah, or I at beat him full then. speed yeah. by the time he even begins his get off. Yeah, I think I beat him then. That'd be very interesting. I'm interested to see who he races. I, I think DK Metcalf is going to be one. I would love to see the four fastest, uh, like DK Metcalf pick. Just the four fastest mm -hmm. wide receivers in the NFL, Tyreek, DK, pick some others um, in a four-by-one. That'd be fun. See how but fast like, he see how fast those guys can. No, 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 not a four-by-one, a four-by-four. See how fast those four guys can combine to run a mile. That would be fun, but the thing is, like, is it going to be faster than like the actual U.S. Olympic sprinters? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, that's a good like point. DK Metcalf didn't even make it to the semifinal round of the qualifications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? Well, because those guys, it's not just being fast. They they train. They study. It, I mean, it. The, ex, ex, exactly. For I the mean, same, they have like the number the same, of steps it should yeah, take. You for know? the same reason, those guys just because they're fast couldn't come be wide receivers because they haven't practiced day in day out the art of of route running. 
So there's more to it than just being fast. So there is an art to it and, and keeping and logging your steps. Um, what about, how about this? Mm. They the, the idea was like, hey, sprinters, great sprinters can be great bobsledders. Jamaica bobsled team. How about an NFL bobsled team of four wide receivers? <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, would you want, I think you'd want like one offensive They're or defensive used to wearing to helmets. Push. Oh, that's a good point. Right? No, you wouldn't want, well, yeah, maybe. Way more. But does yes, that make thing, you go there'd be, there'd be weight. But no, if you'd be going downhill not, with not more in the weight? back, not in the back. You'd, mm. want, you'd want the weight at the front. There's something there. We can figure this out. Uh, KU football news over the weekend. Couple things. Oscar Rodriguez Jr., he was Akron's interim head coach in 2021. He was also three seasons there as the defensive coach. Um, he's expected to become a defensive analyst at Kansas, working with the secondary. Uh, he is a Kansas native. He has strong ties to local high school and junior colleges, so good for recruiting. Also good anytime that you get, even if it's from a smaller school, anytime you have a guy who was a head coach and a defensive coordinator at another school, you get him to be an analyst at your school, get another mind, get another yep. view on things. That's always a good sign. Um, and how about this? KU picked up a commitment from a three-star receiver, Quentin Conley, but this isn't just a commitment. KU got a PWO, a preferred walk-on pickup, from a three-star receiver who was ranked 608th in the country. What were his other schools? His other at? offers were Kentucky, Arizona State, Iowa State, and Nebraska. So even if even if a even if one of those was offering a scholarship, let's say all of them, but yeah, one. those all might have been PWOs. Yeah, but, but let's but. say just one. I, I, I'll, I'll say this though, not even those. Let's say. Let's say a, a um, another FBS, a non-Power Five school, like Memphis, Central Florida, Houston, whatever, Tulane. A school like that was offering a scholarship, and instead of a scholar, because he at three stars, you can probably get a scholarship at He's a, a six at a, five receiver. At, yeah, at a group of five school, you can probably get a scholarship. So he likely turned down scholarship offers from other FBS schools to become a preferred walk-on at Kansas. That's pretty cool. That's a very big deal. Um, so, yeah, that that has got to be a good sign of, of the walk-on program for KU, and that's going to be a key Where, piece where's to he developing from? depth. Sorry, I didn't ask uh, He's from Pembroke School in Missouri. Oh, nearby like Kansas. Pembroke Hill? Uh, the Pembroke Hill, yeah, Pembroke Hill School. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't realize yeah. he was a local 6'5", 190, 15th-ranked receiver in Missouri by 24-7 sports, 14th okay. in the composite. Again, he's he's a top seven hundred recruit. Like that's one of KU's higher commits, just in general. Yeah, I mean, and local kid, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. So probably a kid that'll earn a scholarship in maybe a year. Maybe he's a kid who, you know, gray shirt. Or, I I don't know. Um, last thing, this just, just came let's out just now. Let's just hope he has. I don't think this, but let's just hope he has insanely like billionaire parents. And like, you know what? We'll pay for his school so you can have an extra scholarship. There was a basketball player at Duke who did that. Pretty sure. The Brady Morningstar did that. Did he really? Yeah, okay. I think he he dropped his uh, scholarship status at one point. Well, nowadays it's, it's easier to get away with that, too, because NIL, if you have like a local business who wants to support you. But uh, how about this one from WEII? This is just moments ago. I could ago. be wrong so on that, by the way, but I'm almost positive that happened with Brady Morningstar. Anyway, go ahead. So WEII, they are a, I don't know if they're a radio station. Yeah, I think they're a radio station. They're like the home of the Boston Red Sox, something like that. Um, NFL Network's Mike Girardi just said on one of their shows that Tom Brady will return for the 2022 season. <laughs> I mean, one, I, I'm i not going to put total credence into this, but two, the fact that this has happened, how long ago did he retire? Three weeks ago? It was, it was the week, I think it was the week before the Super Bowl. I think it was the week in between the conference championships and the bye week. 
That would be objectively funny if, because like at least with Brett Favre is like I'm retiring. And then I don't he know, it's waited probably a little bit later. Yeah, and he well he didn't retire till March. Um, I'll say this: I, part of me wonders if you want to be kind of black helicoptery around this. It's very possible that his whole thing was I, Tampa's going to be a turd. Now he's still that that whole division's going to be a turd fest, which is why we said Matt Ryan should come back because they're probably going to go ten and seven and win that division next year. Um. But Tampa's not going to be good, so I wonder if his whole thought is like maybe I can finagle my way into Denver. Yeah, you know, go to San Francisco Cle- or something, right? I, I don't know. Cleveland's a joke of a franchise, even if they have. Some I don't know. Talent. He's from the Bay Area. Yeah, he's San from. Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San He'd be Francisco. near LA for his wife. Yeah. Although I don't know if she even models anymore, but I don't know. Maybe that's a plus. Okay, uh, that is your case of the Mondays with some news that came out on your Monday. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017. 1320 KLWN. Coming up next, we'll let you listen to what Bill Self had to say after KU took down West Virginia on Saturday night. This is RCF. Update on our daily poll here. Would you rather KU be the one seed in the East or the two seed in the Midwest? We did get a couple questions about, yeah, but who are the other teams? Well, the we purpose of this exercise. This yeah. is why you listen. <laughs> we said, never mind the opponents. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of this one, we might get into the opponents on another poll, but the purpose of this one is just, you don't know what you're going to get. You just, if I told you going into selection Sunday, we'll wait and see what the bracket gets built around you. Would you rather be the one seed in the East or the two seed in Midwest? It's very close. Uh, 53% have the one seed in the East, 47% the Midwest. Looking back, I might change my answer to the one in the East. Somebody commented, you always take the number one seed no matter where it is. Somebody else commented that things changed for me after 2017, and I just take the higher seed. My, yeah, well, that year you had the high seed and the home yeah. home court. I, I probably put a little too much into my memories of 93 and 2012 going to St. Louis as a two seed um, and winning the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight there. Having looked back on it, and and especially now that I thought, well, man, if you're the two, two, and everything has to, and everything breaks to chalk, then go to the final four. You got to beat the three and the one. So the more I think about it, I've actually switched. And when we first introduced the poll, I wanted the two in Chicago because of the size of the alumni base. But now I'm thinking because I do think there's going to be a sizable drop off in mm-hmm. quality of team from the three seed line to the four seed line. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, give me the, uh, I would say, give me the one. That's the thing for me, like a one, eight matchup. It's, I mean, just percentages show it. One seeds make the the second round or the third round or the final four, even if it's only five or 10% difference, which it is about those numbers. It's still, you take that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Any margin you can have that helps, especially in a tournament like this, where it is so hard to win in a single game elimination, you take as much as you can, and yes, as much as the alumni base being in Chicago would help, and, and maybe it's the difference between you getting you know 50% of the crowd versus 55% or 60%, yeah. which again, it's working on the margins, which is great. The beauty of KU fans, especially with basketball, like they're going to travel no matter where and, they and are. Yeah, I could make, as much as I made the argument, well, they were two seed in St. Louis beating Indiana and, and North Carolina in those Elite Eights, you could also turn around and say they were a one seed in Kansas City and didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. And they were a two seed in Los Angeles when the one seed was Arizona, and they won that game. Yeah. So it, I guess the more I look back, the less evidence I'm seeing of being close to home actually mattering that much. So yeah, I'll take back and, and change my answer. Yeah. So I'm I'm in agreement. I take the one seed. Um, 
KU Women's Basketball got another victory. Seven in a row for Brandon Schneider and his crew. They go on the road against Texas Tech. Now, this is a game we mentioned. Like, this is kind of a must win because even though they were 9-4 and four and we put the target number at 10 wins in conference play to get to the NCAA tournament, this was your most winnable game. The next four against top 25 teams. And Texas Tech is one of the bottom teams in the Big 12. You beat them at home pretty handily. KU had to come from behind in this game. Um it took two very it took Texas Tech and KU each playing a, sus, a suspect offensive quarter. At KU yes. it came in the first quarter, they only scored 9. Uh Texas Tech only scored 9 in the third quarter. Yeah, Tech was up 38 to 25 at halftime, but then that big third quarter which KU outscored. That's what's crazy. Texas Tech was up 13 at halftime. KU led going into the fourth quarter. Um and, they ended and up winning 71-68. It's worth noting during those suspect quarters Texas Tech, when KU only scored nine in a quarter, Texas Tech scored 15 that quarter, mm-hmm. whereas Kansas scored 24 in Texas's bad offense. Yeah, quarter. they were able to take advantage of it more than 46 points in the second half. The, the KU offense really got going in the second half. I think despite, five players had double-digit scoring. Mm-hmm. And, and KU was not shooting the three ball well, four of 17. Tech had a really good game from three, 10 of 24, so you were able to win. Now everything's in front of you. They've hit the target number, and yet here I am, with them sitting on 10 conference wins, which we said for the longest time, nine conference wins, you go nine and nine, you, you might get in, but you're sweating it out on selection day. 10 wins, you're in for sure. I saw some bracketology. This was Saturday morning, so this is yet to be updated for that game. They had them as a nine seed, so let's say even they go up a line after the win Saturday and other teams lose. Let's say they're in as an eight seed right now. You're still sweating. I know, because think about that. Your next four games, even if you lost them all, you'd still finish 10-8, and which was our target goal, and they're all the ranked teams. But if you lose four straight and then make it five straight with the Big 12 tournament, I don't know how much of the optics matter of losing five straight going into it. But even at the very least, if you're an eighth seed and you lose five straight games, I don't know. I I, I think we might have to adjust our number and say they need to win one more, whether it's regular season or Big 12 tournament. If you gave me even money right now, in versus not in, and they don't win anymore. I still, I would still lean in. Yeah, if you gave me even money, uh, but I do think it's close. I do think they need to grab another win, and if they want to do that in the Big Twelve quarterfinals, great. If they want to do that, and not only that, if they win it, if they win anything in the regular season from here on out, it's going to be a quality win because it'll come against a ranked opponent. I do want to say, Ku is if you go into the the others receiving votes. Now they they weren't even they didn't even get a vote last week, and they were the second out of the top twenty five and others receiving votes, which would mean they were twenty seventh in the country based on the AP poll. But the difference between twenty five and twenty six, the twenty fifth ranked team got fifty six points, the twenty sixth ranked team Oregon got fifty two, and then drops all the way to twenty seven or no eighteen, 18 yeah eighteen at KU who's twenty seven. So from fifty two to eighteen. If you want to play the what the hell they're not getting enough respect cards, they've just won seven in a row. Fine, but I think it's also fair to make the argument of they just until Big Twelve play started. And look, they've been taking care of business in Big Twelve. They're one game out of first place in the Big Twelve. They're ten and four in conference play. They've been very good in conference play, but you cannot ignore how. And look, they they did what they were supposed to do in that non-con, but it was a terrible non-con. It was a really bad non-con. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so I don't think their current ranking or lack thereof is unfair. No, and it's like, you know, if you want to be ranked, 
split. Win either against Iowa State this week or, or Baylor on the road. If you and win look, one of those two, you will be right. And if they did, right. if they if they pulled off that win against um, Baylor at home, kind of like we've talked about, mm-hmm. what where would Kate, where would the men's team be if they didn't blow it in the last minute again in Austin? Same thing. If key if the KU women's team didn't blow it in the last minute against Baylor, they're tied for first in the Big Twelve right now. Yeah, and they're ranked. They're solidly ranked. Well, you know what's funny too. If if they don't lose any more of these games, like we said, they they might be out or they might be one of the last teams in. But if they just win one of the games, which again, like that doesn't sound like much because they're all against good competition. Iowa State at home, Baylor on the road, Texas at home, Oklahoma on the road. Those are all top twenty-five teams. They might vault themselves up to maybe even like a seven. That's the funny thing. They could they could be going from this moment, like if they lose out, hovering on the bubble. Like losing out puts you on the bubble. One and three probably puts you in in eight seed, nine seed, maybe seven seed territory. This team um, has been really impressive, and yeah, now it it does get to that point. Now it is. I just have such a difficult time believing a team can go ten and eight in this conference and not go to the NCAA. It tournament. is, but like you said, even the, though that would it was a terrible non-con, and that would mean you you finish the year on a four-game slide. And if well, they five but, with the Big Twelve, yeah, no, right? but it, that's the, I'm just talking regular season. Mm-hmm. But if you go down to Dallas or Oklahoma City. No, it's actually in Kansas City this Is year. Is it back at the municipal? Yes. So if you grab a win there, um, I think you're safe. Even if you even if you lose these next four, I think we both agree. You grab a win in the quarterfinals of the Big Twelve tournament, you're you're in. Yes, I would agree. I think if you get one more, you're for sure in. If you don't, you still might make it. But heck, let's 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 shoot for the moon. You get two wins, maybe we're talking six or seven seed, right? Yeah, let's say they win one of these games coming up, which is going to be a rank against a ranked opponent, no matter who it is. Yeah, and 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 grab one in their quarterfinal game against whomever in in Kansas City. So that was a big win on Saturday against Texas Tech, and now uh, kind of everything's in front of them. We'll see how they do this week. Next up on Wednesday night here on KLWN. With Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Five o'clock hour here. KU taking on West Virginia over the weekend. They take on K-State tomorrow at uh, 8 o'clock pregame at 6.30. Um, the NCAA tournament committee released their, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it a mock because it, like it, it's real. It's basically their version of the weekly college football rankings. Exactly. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Um, so It's where the tournament stand, stood. Right as Well, as of. Saturday as, morning. Yeah, Saturday morning. So as of basically through the game Friday the, the night. Big, the most important development since then has been um, probably the Auburn loss to Florida. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to think of another one that may have been equally important, but I, I would say Auburn losing to Florida came out, happened after that had was put out. And I, I've always wondered, I because I, they work on the bracket seemingly – up to the last second, like right when the selection show begins, um, but I or right before the selection show begins. But 
I wonder if that one gets released, like if they're actually working on it up to the second that it's released on Saturday morning, or if that's just what they put out late Friday night. No, I bet you they put it out late Friday night, because think about it. Most of the teams that play Fridays, it's like Ivy League and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know if any team who was playing on Friday was going to judge. Because it's only, it's only it's the, the top it's 16. The top, yeah, it's the top four seeds in each region. Mm-hmm. So uh, how it went, Gonzaga got the number one overall seed, put them in the West. Makes a lot of sense. Number two overall one seed was Auburn. And they put them in the Midwest. Now, Auburn is is very close to equidistant away from literally all three other sites, Midwest, East, and South in Chicago, Philadelphia, and San Antonio. So they kind of would have their their choice. And apparently the committee would put them in the Midwest, which is interesting because it would keep KU away from there. And then for Arizona, they don't want them traveling across the country. They have them as the third one seed. They put them in the South in San Antonio, which leaves the last spot in the East in Philadelphia. So they have Kansas going into the East in Philadelphia, which again is notable because you know San Antonio or Chicago are obviously closer for KU, but um, like you said, Auburn's lost to Florida. I don't know what that did. Maybe for all we know, now they put Kansas in the Midwest as the one seed if it were to be you, released today. You could argue that may have jumped Kansas up from four to three. It could have. Because the, they were the foot number four overall. Or maybe it just put Auburn as the third one seed and Kansas still behind them at number four. Here's what you want. You want Kansas as either the number three overall seed or the number four overall seed because Bill Self's three final fours have come from either – the bottom left region or the bottom right region? <laughs> uh, here's what's interesting, though. So I, I, I've mentioned the stat before, and this goes back into the idea of would you rather be the one seed in the East or the two seed in the Midwest, of how 11 of the last 14 national champions, and if you just wanted to take UConn out because they do weird things, 11 of the last 12 non-UConn national champions were one seeds. Um also, every year since the in-season bracket show started, which the, I think... What was the other... What was the non-UConn one? It was... Uh, I don't know. Somebody. Okay, I'll think about it. Anyway, go ahead with what um, you were saying. Every year since the in-season bracket show started, three out of the four one-seeds. Every oh, I think it would year. have been that uh, six Florida team with the three seed. No, because I it started after that, okay. so it would have been... Sorry, go the ahead. Last 14 anyway, years. Go anyway. ahead. Three of the four one seeds every single year. So one team who is a one seed at this point every single year since they've done that, which again I think is is 2018 when they started this, has not made it. Or maybe it was 2019. And the other years, three of the four Vill- did. 16 Villanova. There you go. Yeah, they were the two seed. Beat Kansas in the, in the Elite Eight. Um, so that means that three of these four teams will be one seeds if, if we – Follow if the that same holds, pattern, which right? which makes which sense. Is such a small sample size, but, but it, it yes, you're right. But it does make sense. I mean, it it's you know if there's a good chance if you're a one seed, um, I I can't remember years where there have been this much. It's kind of it's what would we say now? Because at one point we were like, man, there could be seven seven teams fighting for four one seeds. Mm-hmm. I think that number's reduced maybe to five. I, I think still you've think got, there's. Mm. I think you've got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona. I think ten. Going for a one seed? Yes. I think you've got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Kansas, and Auburn. I don't know of anybody else going realistically going well, for a one. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to have the conversation realistically, but because like Baylor without their starting center. I don't think, yeah, I, I think Baylor's out of the one seed conversation. Sure. But Baylor was the top two seed. They were put at number five. So, you know, if. If Baylor wins against Oklahoma State after the yeah, 
I know, mean, if Baylor wins both this week and they beat Kansas, no, they, they win out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, beat, yeah, beat Kansas. Purdue on the seven line. If Purdue won out and won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, like they're in discussion. Purdue's dropping like a lead balloon right now, though. They're down to 13th in Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. They're just they're struggling. Duke is probably going to win out because the ACC sucks. They're in yeah. discussion. Uh, the nine seeds Villanova but because it sucks. It gives you a lack of quality wins to grab. Villanova could very easily win out, and like there are actually quality teams in the Big East that they still have to play and in the tournament. UConn's a top twenty-five team. Seton Hall is like top twenty-five adjacent. Providence, obviously, they're they're on the four line, so it's not impossible. And then uh, this is where I cut it off. Texas Tech is the ten seed because what happens if Texas Tech wins out? They go fourteen and four, grabs the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, well, what happens if Kansas finishes fourteen four? It's a split, and then they win the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, like they're especially especially if they get a, a second win over Kansas in the Big Twelve title game. That's fair. How about this? Of the five outside of the five that I mentioned, who's the most likely? Probably Kentucky. Oh wait, no, you did the, mention yeah. Kentucky. Outside of those, I mean, Duke is the most probably, likely to probably win out. Duke. They won't just gather the wins. I know. They they would need some help too. I would still um I I just I think Auburn I have a difficult time viewing Auburn and Kentucky both getting them. So Yeah, the the thing is too with like like I think Auburn, between Kentucky and Auburn, I think one is definitively getting a one seed and the other is definitively not. So Auburn still has to play at Tennessee this weekend, which that's a very losable game. They still have at Mississippi State, who's a solid team and kind of on the bubble. They could use that win. And then you have the SEC tournament where you could lose to Kentucky. So I I do kind of think if if Auburn ends up losing at Tennessee this Saturday, I think you're right. I think it'll only show that one of them will be able to make it in as a one seed. Let's see what Purdue still has to play from here on out. They have to play at Michigan State, at Wisconsin, home against Indiana. I mean, those are those would be quality wins. If they win out and then win the Big Ten tournament, they're probably going to get a one seed. They'd I just think a lot. The there's so much evidence to suggest that they won't do that. Yeah, probably not. The defense is very bad. It, and it keeps dropping, man. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they're really, they're kind of a higher-ranked um providence in that they're ranked very high in the in the voting number in the voting polls but their their computer metrics really the computers don't like them much it's, it's more extreme with providence because providence is in like the 40s in the computers but yeah when we I, I think auburn is the is the current one seed that probably is most likely to drop at most gonzaga loses one more game um arizona they have at utah at colorado that's usually a tough swing going to both those so maybe they do drop one this week because that the Who's altitude that factor, yeah, and then at USC. So if they're going to lose one, it'll be the next three or maybe the Pac-12 tournament. But again, it feels like at most Arizona is going to lose one more game. Feels like they'll be a one seed. Um, Auburn's probably the most vulnerable there. Kansas also the, by you being mean a of one the seed. four seeds that got announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would announced. say I would agree because I think I think if they reseeded it today, I think Kansas jumps to three, and I think Kentucky takes Auburn's one. Yeah, and I think that. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess between the Midwest and the South, like, I, I don't know how much of a discussion that would be or how important it would be, but it is funny that in this bracket that has KU in the East, a lot of people were freaking out about this, which if this ended up being the bracket, like, deservedly so. But I just, I, I find it funny because the rest of the teams that are in the East, Kentucky is the two seed, Villanova is the three, Wisconsin as the four which, seed. 
I want to say, don't freak out about Villanova and Kentucky. Just freak out about one because you ain't playing both. Right. No matter what, you ain't playing both. That's what's funny uh, for a couple reasons. The freak out about it, for one, you're only going to have to play with them. Um, but for two, there's a month away before the actual selection. Yeah, a lot has to, yeah, a lot has to happen. I, I, the I, chan- like, none of these are going to be the same. None of these. Certainly none of the, yeah, I don't even, no, none of the seeds will even hold. Certainly no. none of the matchups. Um, yeah, I do want to say I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be fascinated to know the the difference in in how it, this is decided upon in the names. They don't really matter that much. But there was that weird year. I think it was oh four to like oh six. They didn't name the regions by direction. They named them by the location of the elite eight, and so it was like the Syracuse region, mm-hmm. the Denver region, et cetera, et cetera. I do want to note that the last time. When Kansas was in was in San Antonio for the Elite Eight, for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, that was the year they lost to Virginia Commonwealth. That year, that region was called the Southwest. This year in San Antonio, it's called the South. That has nothing to do with anything we were talking about. I just, I'm interested in knowing how they come about naming these things. I'm more disturbed by why they don't choose the four main directions, North, South, East, West. And they're close. They have Midwest. Yeah, is the, I guess the Midwest technically is the North. The, I think that's what up. they're. Yeah, they're talking about. And like the North, I'm trying to think. Like I know one year when Kansas won the national title, they were in the Midwest, and that was Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just one of those things where most often the Midwest. I would just like it to be called the North. The North, you know. So one year cool. Fargo also, has a shot a few, in a Sweet it, Sixteen and Elite Eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can still put it in Chicago. That's North enough. It's north compared to south. Um, <laughs> I I would like now go live to the elite eight from Saskatchewan. Yeah, and, hey, it's indoors. Who cares? Uh, you win, and then you can like print off Game of Thrones jer- uh, shirts. Kings of the North. Do you get that reference? I'm a, I'm I'm familiar with um with Game of Thrones. Okay. Yes. You know what? This is weird though, because I'm I'm looking at it in the mock bracket. They. I know they don't always go with the S curve. They try to as much as they can, but they move things around geography wise and, and try not well, to have like, they avoided three Baylor and, and KU stuff. in the same region. Yeah, or t- try not to have, you know, uh, conference teams together. But it worked out that in this in this early look at things, Gonzaga, who's the number one overall seed, has the worst two seed, has the worst three seed, and the worst four seed. I already went seed. through that. That went that held true for everybody against everybody except replacing Baylor with Kentucky. That's wild. Yeah. Because in Kansas, on the flip side, Kentucky is the second best two seed. Villanova is the best three seed. Yep. Wisconsin's the best. They also four got seed. the best four, and the only reason they didn't get the best two was because they replaced Baylor with Kentucky. Yeah, honestly, like the bigger gripe that I would have, I, I think, might be that you know Villanova um, would be your three seed, and they'd be getting to play in their hometown in Philadelphia. But also, the other side of me is like. KU got the four seed one year where they were in Kansas City. And they so didn't take advantage of it. They did. They got bounced by Auburn. Um, but you know, yeah, that is it what it is. I, I would, I would honestly kind of be surprised if that did happen. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't stun me. But a lot of this is so premature. I mean, this is the first bracket. It really is. But it does give us a good roadmap. And like I said, and three of the four one seeds every year have made it. And a one, uh, the national title team every time they've done this has been one of the one seeds in February. In the first one, yeah. And look, it's it's kind of you know it's it's not going to be warm for much longer, but it's seventy degrees. They revealed a bracket, and there's just that you're walking around that little voice in your head going, dun 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 dun, <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's close. 
I love that that music was playing while Jawan Howard and Greg Gard were going <laughs> we're out there. Yeah, that should be on one shiny moment. I know it's not during the NCAA tournament, but give it to me, inject it into my veins. All right, uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Coming up next, we'll let you listen in to some player postgame audio.